Election College, episode number 255, Nell Arthur. Jason, we've been trying to go through history and do biographies on all the presidents and the vice presidents and the first ladies and, you know, occasionally somebody else as well. This time we're going to do an episode on a president's wife, but not necessarily a first lady. Wow, that's confusing. I know. It's mysterious. That's that's what I go for. You're a man of mystery. So Nell Arthur uh, was the wife of Chester Arthur. And uh, we have already discussed this in the episodes about Chester Arthur. And sorry if you didn't listen to those, but spoiler alert, she actually passes away before her husband is elected to be vice president. So we're still going to talk about her because she's obviously an important figure in not only history, but in his life. So uh, it's probably still a good idea to talk about her. Yeah. And uh, anybody who's born in a courthouse, right? No, she wasn't born in a courthouse. (laughs) I always wondered that. Because, you know, there are towns that are named such and such courthouse, and it's like... Yeah, like Appomattox. Yeah. Well, that's just Appomattox, isn't it? But then there's, in Ohio, there's Washington Courthouse, which it's not Washington, Ohio, it's Washington Courthouse, which makes it really difficult for the sign makers because they just have to put CH. That's true. You know, Washington's a long name. Anyway, Ellen Lewis Herndon, a.k.a. Nell was born in Culpeper Courthouse, Virginia. So not in the courthouse, but in a city or a locality named Courthouse. And she was the daughter of William Lewis Herndon and Frances Elizabeth Hainsborough. And her dad was very well known because of a heroic act that happened under his watch. And that was when the mail steamer SS Central America sank and he perished in this tragedy. There were more than 400 passengers and crew aboard the ship and Herndon safely evacuated over 150 women and children to another vessel. Uh, There was a hurricane off of Cape Hatteras and the ship was doomed. And this was when Nell was 20 years old. Yeah, so definitely a tragedy there, and you know, not early on in her life, but she's still a relatively young woman. And uh, that is in about 1857, uh, as Jason said. Uh, a year before that, Nell and Chester Arthur actually get introduced by her cousin. And uh, her cousin is also a friend of Chester Arthur, so that made it kind of just a mutual connection. And they get introduced in New York City. And then he doesn't wait very long. Maybe you see something you like, you go after it. And uh, he was introduced, uh, or he proposed to her on a porch of a hotel in Saratoga Springs, New York. Have you ever been to Saratoga Springs, Jason? I have not. Have you? It's an interesting little town. Yeah, I have. I was there for work one time. Um, I was mostly in a conference, but still got to explore a little bit. It's a nice little town. Oh, we'll have to put that on the list. It's probably different than it was whenever Nell and Chester met. I, I would hope that the Saratoga Springs would be there. Yeah. You can get probably. water, something. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to sing If You Get Lost Between the Moon and New York City. That's kind of what happened with the Arthurs. Yeah. The best that you can do is fall in love. That's right. That's probably what happened. That song might be about the Arthurs, and we just did not know that. Yeah. Deep lore right there. Coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> so Chester Arthur is 30 when he marries... 
Nell, and uh, she is 22. And they get married at the Calvary Episcopal Church in New York City. And, uh, you know, not that big of an age difference, but today would be probably a bit more of an age difference. And uh, the date that they got married was actually her father's birthday. And uh, then, like I said, he uh, had passed away just a couple years before. Chester Arthur is from Vermont. So, you know, he's got a little more classy dress that he <laughs> that he tends to uh, don. And he's also in a very interesting debate society, like we mentioned in the episode about him. And they are both kind of, you know, socially prominent and everything. Yeah, no, uh, is a good singer. She's a very talented soprano. She sings with the Mendelssohn Glee Club and performs all around New York City. And they have a strong marriage, but Chester, he's off doing his political thing. And Nell, being from Virginia originally and having a lot of family still there, she's got some Confederate sympathies. And this causes a little bit of a strain, but not enough to tear them apart as a, as a couple. They have two sons and a daughter. William Lewis Hernan Arthur only lives uh, to be two or three years old. Chester Allen Arthur II, however, lives quite the life. And if you ever want to read an interesting biography about somebody who probably didn't do much work, well, that's kind of the case with Chester Allen Arthur II. He is known for being a womanizer. He is known for not really carrying on a real job. And yeah, you just need to read the biography. We probably could talk about him a little bit, but he seemed to be very motivated in the hedonistic lifestyle. We'll put it that way. Yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. Uh, Their daughter, Ellen, was uh, pretty much a child during the time that he was president. And the press didn't get a whole lot of look at her. Of course, nowadays, that probably wouldn't have been as possible. But then they were able to shield her from the public eye. And she ends up getting married and lives in New York City. Dies at a young age, uh, about 40-ish, but has a has a good life while she is alive. So Nell is busy, I guess you could say. <laughs> she has a large social network. She really uh, is able to converse with many different people. And this really helps Chester Arthur out with politics because they are a bit of a power couple and have a lot of ambition and things like that. And if you think of high society and prestigious and things like that, you would definitely think of this couple at the time. Uh, Of course, that helps you rocket up through politics and things like that. And uh, Nell, with all her connections to different people, especially in New York City and people like the Vanderbilts and the Roosevelts, it really helps him out and helps them both out. Arthur, we know, rises to prominence in the Republican Party because of the fact that she's kind of a sugar mama in a way. Um, Can somebody be a sugar mama and be younger than you? Well, in the Arthur's case, yes. And they're doing their thing. He's rising to prominence. And in January of 1880, and this is just, what, nine months, 11 months before he's elected to the vice presidency, Nell's doing fine. She's 
you know, doing these social functions. And all of a sudden she gets pneumonia. She dies on January 12th, 1880. She's only 42 years old. And Arthur, of course, is just taken aback by this. You can imagine what it's like to lose your very young uh, wife who seems to be full of energy and just doing her thing. She's gone. And later on, when Arthur is the president of the United States, he commissions a stained glass window in to be commissioned in the St. John's Episcopal Church. And we all know that church, right? It's the one that most presidents go to for a prayer service before uh, being inaugurated. And it sits right there across from the White House. He has a stained glass window commissioned um, in her honor and he has it installed where he could view it at night. And so the lights from the church were kept on within and uh, he could see that stained glass window in the evenings. And he ordered fresh flowers to be placed daily uh, before her portrait there in the White House. Yeah, it's really sad. I mean, it's it's interesting to know that Arthur didn't marry again after that. I mean, his sister, um, Mary Arthur McElroy, uh, kind of became the unofficial first lady while he was in office. And she cared for his children. Of course, you know, he has a very busy schedule as the president. But you know, it almost uh, does it say more about Nell or more about Chester or, you know, doesn't have to say more about one of them. It can say the same thing about both of them, that she so was so dear to him that he never remarried. And also, I mean, there's so many instances where presidents, whether they're married or not, there's some rumors of some not so good activities that they take place in and take part in, uh, you know, flandering and cheating and uh, stuff like that. And, you know, he was, there's never any kind of indication that that was him. And so uh, not only was he probably just a, a moral good guy, but uh, she really meant something to him and uh, it was really tough for him to not have her around anymore. So there you have it. It's, it's kind of fun to talk about just, she's just a citizen. She never became first lady. She never became second lady or, or whatever they call that. The, the vice president's wife. Uh, she was just a, uh, a fine spouse for a future president. Yeah. And it's worth noting uh, that during the Arthur administration with Mary, his sister, you know, here she's got a family, right? They've got four kids uh, of of their own, uh, Mary and John McElroy do. Uh, yet she comes and becomes a part of her brother's administration, serving as hostess and uh, receiving guests and reaching out to previous first ladies. She has events that honor Julia Tyler and Harriet Lane, who was also not really a first lady, but yeah. She was a first lady, a hostess, and um, she has big receptions. Her uh, final reception that she had at the White House uh, happened in February of 1885, where 3,000 people attended. So kind of a big job. It's not like you just say, oh, yeah, she had just kind of come to the White House and chilled out and had a few people come over. No, 3,000 people. That's pretty intense. And it's also worth noting that the Arthur family, um, and Mary in particular, and her husband, 
uh, we're very supportive of civil rights icons like Booker T. Washington, uh, of whom she uh, hosted at her home there in Albany, New York in 1900. So great legacy there uh, in the Arthur family. Definitely. So it tells you a lot about the family, tells you a lot about the, the time. And even though we don't think that often about Chester Arthur, unless maybe we're thinking about his crazy sideburns, uh, maybe that's okay sometimes because uh, not only, I mean, certainly he was uh, short being in office and, and kind of an interesting way how he got there. But you know, a lot of times if you don't hear a whole lot about a president, that might be a good thing because there's not a whole lot of scandal or um, crazy upsets or economy turns or anything like that. So what we do want is for people to hear a lot about us and you are the best person to tell them. Not only can you leave a great rating and review over on iTunes, which by the way, if you haven't done, you should, we got a really awesome review today. I was doing the happy dance. I assume Jason was too. He just can't help oh, it. Oh yeah. It's just, <laughs> it just kind of came from within. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, make sure to leave us a rating and review, but also you can do the little star thing on Overcast that helps recommend us to other people. If you're listening to us on Overcast, you can't really leave a review, but you can help us out. And then, uh, you know, most of the podcasts I listen to and subscribe have been because other people have told me about them, people I know personally. So the one of the best ways is if you meet somebody who's interested in history or presidents or just cousins hanging out together, Tell them about the show and hopefully they'll listen. Yeah. And while you're on this technology that gives you the world at your fingertips, which is amazing, it's called the internet, uh, you can connect with us on social media. And our handle on Twitter is Go Figure Election College and on Instagram, Election College and Facebook, Election College. So we would love to interact with you over there. That is if you're not going to be a punk. If you're going to be a punk, that's right. Then we'll interact with you, but we won't smile. We won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but for everybody else who is positive and encouraging and awesome, which all of you are, please do. Thanks everyone for listening. We actually do really appreciate it. It's not just something we say. And we'll talk to you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.